If God's been good to you, say amen. amen. If, if you know his name is worthy to be praised, go ahead and say amen. Amen. I'm taking my reading this morning from the book of Judges, and uh, for those of you that are able to stand, I, I just want to encourage you uh, to do so. I'm, I'm, I'll only be reading about nine verses, but really the entirety of where we'll be at on this morning uh, will be Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 21. And I just want to put in a plug uh, really here, here, right here, really quick uh, to encourage us because we'll, we'll end our series on Gideon on next week. Uh, but I want to encourage you, next week is going to be a little bit heavy, uh, and I'm, I'm, I was trying my best, and I guess this is what I was wrestling with even as I was preparing to, to share this text on today. I was trying my best not to allow today to be necessarily too heavy. We have so much going on, and I really didn't want to uh, do that, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm going to come at this um, personally with uh, a heavy spirit, but nonetheless, I really wanted to be uh, a sort of encouragement and not dwell too much in the heaviness, but I want to encourage you to know and prepare yourself beforehand. It's going to be some heavy stuff next week. Um, as, we, as we think about the thrust of the book of Judges, and as we think about the thrust of what uh, the author is doing as he illuminates some details concerning the person of Gideon himself. So I want to encourage you this week to read Judges 6, 7, and 8. Uh, if not the entirety of the book of Judges, I want to encourage you this week in preparation for next week to just go ahead and read Judges 6, 7, and 8. But I'm reading this morning from Judges 7, verses 1 through 9. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it reads like this. So Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harod. The army of Midian were encamped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. I want you to note that. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid, may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, verse number four, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all of those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongue like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouth in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hand. Uh, all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouth in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home 
So Gideon collected the provisions. Take note of verse number eight. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. Verse number nine would say this. That night the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midian camp, for I have given you victory over them. Church, you may have your seats at this time. I want to I wanna share a brief thought with you this morning. I've entirely marching in. When the saints go marching in. You, you, you know that song. If you, if you grew up sort of... You know that song, or when the saints go marching in, or when the saints... Go marching in, or when the saints go marching in, you, you know. Oh, when the saints go marching, would like to be in that number. We, we tend to believe that our numbers. to think that we have the capacity to overcome every single obstacle that if we find sometimes in whereby ourselves we, we tend to think or if uh, great feats that are ahead of us. But as I just want to do quickly and as genuinely and as sincerely as I can, as I looked at Gideon this morning, I, I want you to understand something within the confines of the text. Gideon's, Gideon's life, even though this is, is one of those triumphant moments, Great victory against the, the armies and the allies of be quick that please understand and God's grant to reflection true relation is the one who week I made mention of the fact that there is a plot twist in within the confines of the illumination of the text where we are introduced to Gideon and, and while the author finds interesting to share with us the whole the God in his might. Hence when we get to chapter number seven As I'm looking down, you have a good strong number with you and there is a, there is a great fight ahead of you. But I, I have concluded that the number that you have with you is too much. 
And here is why I've concluded that is because I know your heart. I know what you will say if you, if you were to accomplish the great victory that is ahead of you. And you will because I'm with you. But I know what you will say when you accomplish the victory with this multitude that you have with you. You will say, and the people will say, the reason why we have conquered is because of our numbers. The reason why we have conquered is because of our strength. The reason why we have conquered is because of our ingenuity. The reason why we have overcome is because of our might. And so God says the people are too much. It helps me understand and it helps us understand that God is not so much concerned with numbers and, and me saying that might almost seem as if it's a contradiction when we think about passages and when we think about texts like John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life me saying God is not so much concerned with numbers might seem as a contradiction when I think about great commission texts like Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 and Mark chapter 16 verse 15 and 16 where he commissions them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But really what God is trying to indicate and what God is trying to showcase is I want every single believer to never, ever, ever trust in themselves. I want the people of God never to see themselves as the means by which they accomplish anything or everything that I have set out for them to accomplish. So God says, listen, you tried me a little bit earlier on, Gideon. You tested me a little bit earlier on, Gideon. You had some doubts a little bit earlier, Gideon, and I showcased my power to you. And so now is the time I'm going to test you. So God says, I want you to, to, to do something because these people are too great. Church, I want us to appreciate something that the, the success or the marks of success for God has never been the same marks of success of the world. The world views success as a group of individuals who might be doing so well from a church perspective that their numbers continue to grow and their numbers continue to flourish. That's the standard of the world. We, 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 we highlight growth as if it's to say by our numbers we are truly growing. But let me tell you something. We could be a thousand strong and only a hundred people deep. That is simply to suggest that even with, with, this, with, this, with this building truly packed to capacity where there is only standing room only, you could literally only have about 5% of the people doing 100% of the things. That is to say on any given Sunday morning, we could have five, six, seven, eight services back to back and, and, and have our preachers and our ministry staff and, and our elders, etc. Uh, just growing and doing things. But that is not to suggest that having the abundance and the multitude with us, that is not to suggest that there is a multitude that is actually with God. I'm telling you, there was a multitude that would have followed Jesus simply for the miracles that they saw him do. When they saw him feed the 5,000, they began to swim. And when they saw him give sight to the blind, they started to come. When they saw him make the lame to walk, they started to come. When they saw him make the dumb to talk, they started to come. People will come to Jesus simply for what we could get. But a lot of times when the rubber hits the road and it really is about going deeper and deeper in relationship, when it really is about transformation of heart, when it really is about finding our place in the mission and the ministry of the word, that's when you have people that would often dwindle off. 
So this morning, I want to encourage us from the standpoint of Gideon in Judges chapter number 7 to understand that God is still looking for a few good men. God is still today presently looking for still a few good men. So when the saints go marching in, will you and I find ourselves in that number? I don't want to use men here in the term of following the text in terms of just maze, but I'm using men here in a more generic sense. God is, is looking for men and women of faith who would follow him simply because he said to follow him. So as we look at the text on this morning, my, my intent is to send a message that whether males or females, and in spite of fewness in number, God desires a faithful, even if it is a faithful few. I want to look at some things really quickly in the text. And I, I have five. I don't think I'll be able to make it through the five. But, but if you will allow me to at least give you three of these, there are some things that we, we are able to pull from this text that I believe sheds a light on what I would call effective warfare and effective ministry. When we look at Judges chapter number 7, I believe that there are some things that God shares with us through this experience that, he's, that he had with Gideon and these warriors that really becomes a, a, a model for each and every one of us as we think about what makes for effective warfare and what makes for effective ministry. You guys there? Uh, you, you guys there? I want you to hold in your Bibles to Judges chapter 7. I know we don't have any slides this morning, and that's, that's really on me, but I want to beg your attention into Judges 7, and I want you to hold Judges chapter 7. Because as we identify some of these things, these are found directly within the confines of the text. And, and again, if you have any, any questions or queries, you could meet me about it afterward. But there are some things within the confines of this text that I believe is so invaluable to us even in the 21st century on today. Five, five requirements for effective warfare or effective ministry. Number one, as I look at the text, if you are to find and I are to find myself as one of the few faithful men and women of God, number one, we must be committed to giving God all of the glory. Don't miss that. Because when I was listing it out, this was number three, and then I realized, no, 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 this has to go number one. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure if I'll be able to get past this number one, because this, this has to be key in everything that you and I do as believers in Jesus Christ. Because when we were out there in the world, you remember how you were when you were out there in the world. It was all about trying to elevate self and uh, you were going to school to get a degree so that you could make a name for yourself. And the degree would allow you to have the type of job that, that you could have and make a name for yourself. And you were looking for a spouse that you could build a family with and you could ultimately have children. And uh, uh, you, you were all, it was always in the world, it's always about elevating yourself. Uh, I, I have to go a little bit higher. I'm looking for the promotion. I have to get a little bit stronger. I have to get a little bit better. I, 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 I. That's the consensus in the world. Everything that we do really is about propelling self. 
But here it is when, when God is dealing with Gideon, and this is an extension for each and every one of us. God says, I want you to understand and appreciate something as I highlight something through this experience of Gideon and the people of Israel. That everything that you do needs to be in a place where it gives me glory. Everything about you is meant to give me the praise. Every word that comes out of your mouth is supposed to utter worship. So here is what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 12, of course. Let your light so shine before men that they may see, yes, your good work, but guess who they're glorifying? Uh, they're glorifying your Father which is in heaven. It's through your work. It's through your deed. It's, it's through the way that we live and the way that we conduct ourselves that as people see the good, the good actually doesn't point to me. The good actually points to the one I serve. So there is a point of which, and believe you me, I have to confess this as a preacher sometimes because there, there is a thing that we do sometimes and, and, and part of it is kind of like what I call uh, false humility. Uh, and let me explain what I mean by false humility, uh, not just as a preacher, but for, for Christians in general. You know, has, ever, has anybody ever come to you, and I know Jose is here, he's also experienced it. Has anybody ever come to you after you've done something good, to, good for them? You, you know, and, and they come and they, they shake your hand and they say, ah, I just want to thank you so much for what you did. And that's the place where it could become quite tricky. Because as a preacher sometimes, whether it's through the preaching, whether it's through the classes or whether it's through uh, other acts of service that, that a preacher or ministers or whatever would do, brethren would do, it's right there that we find a little bit of a debacle for ourselves because it's right there if we're not careful, we could become swell-headed. It's right there in that moment when somebody is before you just thanking you for something you said or something you did. It's right there if you're not careful that, that you could exercise in that moment even some false humility. Let me show you what I mean because on one hand, you have the person that might be so overwhelmed and so overtaken that they take all the glory for themselves. Oh, you're welcome, sis. You're welcome, bro. No, no problem. It's, it's, it was never a problem for me. No, no, no. What you want to do is you want to say, I appreciate that, but I need for you to understand that all the glory really has to go towards God. Now, that is not to say that you didn't spend some hours putting in the work to study that text. That is not to say that you didn't bow your, yourself down to the ground and, and, and put your knees to the floor and saturate yourself and saturate this word and this pad or this paper with prayer. That is not to say that you weren't out serving and, and doing all the good things. Yes, there was a level of energy that you had to dispense. But please understand that I wasn't doing it so that you could boost me up. I wasn't doing this so that you could elevate me in a place that is really, is really reserved for God. No, no, no. I'm doing this so that I could show you the love of Jesus Christ. I'm doing this because the love of Christ compels me. I'm doing this because I am in partnership with God and I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit. So even though you're, you're thanking me and I appreciate you for showing the gratitude, I have to tell you in this moment, glory be. To God. But then here's the flip side because I told you there's a sense of false humility sometimes. The, the, the flip side is sometimes you don't know how to receive when somebody comes and gives you gratitude. So we, we try to deflect by saying, no, 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 it wasn't me. No, 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 they understand that you had a hand in it. 
It, they, they understand that you, you know you 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 gave them the money. It came from your account. But but so so when you say, oh no no no, it wasn't me. It was God. What are we really saying when we say that? So so what I'm saying is we have to learn to understand that yes, God uses us in various ways to accomplish His missions and His tasks. But we need to be careful not to allow pride and sometimes watch this false humility to get in the way. So what is God trying to do? I'm trying to help you to see that if you have to be a part of the few good men, you're, you, you have to be able to always have the motive and the motivation of giving God all. Say all. All of the glory. All of the glory belongs to you, O oh God. I, I, I may have... I may have kept this, this child in my womb and I may have pushed it out for hours at a time, but, but it was only because of you that I was able to birth this child to begin with. Yes, God, I am blessed to where I don't have to worry when the time is cold about me freezing to death or when the time is hot about me becoming dehydrated. I don't have to worry where my next meal is coming from. I don't have to worry about calling somebody to go to the store. I could jump in a car and I could turn the ignition and I could move. Yes, yes, yes. But in as much as I could do all that and I have all of that, all of the glory belongs to you oh God yes I might have the experience and the ingenuity to, to come up with some strategies and come up with some plans but at the end of the day anything that is deemed a success and he first appreciate this anything that is deemed as effective is not really because of us because God didn't have to make you as smart as you are all of the glory to God God didn't have to bless you where you are with what you have. All of the glory is to God. So church, the first thing I want to try and imprint and impress in your hearts and your minds, and I don't think we'll have time to even go beyond number three, but if, if I could imprint something in your heart is this, no matter what we do, allow God to always receive the glory. Paul would put it this way before I move on in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here is the complicated aspect with that text. The complication with that text is that people have done things, though negative, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could do something and claim you are doing it in the name of the Lord. What do you mean, Brother Morgan? Paul is a perfect example of what he is writing. There was a time when Paul believed that his mentality and his doctrine and his dogma and his thinking and his experience and his religion, Paul believed that it in what he was doing, he was giving glory to God. And, and so guess what? These people who are people of the way, these people who are self-professed believers of Yahweh and followers of this Jesus Christ, what was he doing? Going in to all these places to find them with the hope of dragging them and bringing them to give them a certain deathly judgment. So I'm saying 
there have been people, and I, I could go a little closer because it's, it's, it's still Black History Month, so I could deal with it a little bit, but, but, but do you not know that people have, have said things and done things and acted in certain ways, claiming that they are doing it for the glory of God? So at its height, when... I know I spoke about this last week. I don't mean to harp on it, but please understand what I'm saying. At, at, at the height of segregation in this country and in the world, when, when our modern-day thing of slavery became a thing, you, you have to understand the, the, church, the church's role in that. Do you not know the reason why we have predominantly white churches and the reason why we still have predominantly black churches was because these are aspects of history that is still playing out where there was a separation between one group from the next? But guess guess. When this life is alright, singing praises to God, praying to God of the Lord, don't we could do it in the name of God, but that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying whatever you are doing. Saying reflection so the only way is by having the heart of Jesus Christ because if you don't have the heart of Jesus Christ and all you do is the deeds of Jesus Christ there is a H word that is attached to us called hypocrite within the confines of the multitude of people not he says no 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 I need for you to find yourself with who are faithful. You guys with me? But 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 if if we have to be effective in warfare life, we have to all the glory. I have to be done. I'm sorry. I don't think I'll Could I just give you one more? Just list it. If you and I have to be within the confines of a few good men and women of God, number two, we must decide not to be controlled by fear. Fear is perhaps at the root. And you could put faithlessness in there, but it often starts because of fear. But fear is perhaps always at the root of failure whenever it comes to the people of God. God said, go. They took stock. We are too little. They are too big. So we can't. God said, do. They started to make the list 
of limitations. And so guess what? We don't do even when God said do because we have all the limitations against us. God says speak. And so oftentimes, rather than actually speak, we start to make a list of why we can't speak, and so we don't speak. And I'm trying to help us to see that oftentimes fear, which leads to faithlessness, fear is at the core and at the platform and the foundation of the failures of the people of God. So if, if I want to leave this encouragement with you, I'm sorry, guys. I know I said I wasn't going to be too heavy. If I could leave this with you, number one, Give God all of the glory. But number two, don't allow your fears to control you. Don't allow your fears to control you. I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm not going to be able to finish this text on tonight. I want to encourage you. I, I, may, I, may, try to, I, I may try to just um, do something tomorrow or something on Zoom. I don't know, but... but I think this is important as we, as we think about what, what God is teaching through this experience of Gideon and the 300 men. There are some things that God is doing, and there are some, there are some assumptions we've made in this text that is absolutely not true. I don't have time to deal with it, but, but I just want to encourage you by, by simply saying this. Could we stand? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Last week, I told you, God will use you in your fear if you are willing to submit to him and walk with him. What I'm saying to you this week is don't allow your fears to cripple you. Because when your fears cripple you, that's when you find yourself not walking in step with God. So my question to you is, do you want to be in the number, I'm not asking you to answer that now, but do you want to be in the number of the faithful few? Do you want to be in the number that God says, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant? Well, number one, give God all of the glory. But number two, in my short list, don't let fear cripple you from walking in faith. Guys, I pray, hope, and trust that something was said this morning to encourage you, to motivate you, to build you up. And if there's anybody here, and I know we have some people with some heavy hearts this morning. Don't, don't, don't act like if people don't know what's going on. I know we have some people here with some heavy hearts. And I want to make a, a plea and a call. We normally have our elders that come down to the front, and I see some of them coming down already. I, I want to I implore you, if you're if you're scared to walk all the way down, would you just turn to somebody in the pew and ask them to pray with you? But this is, this is what I'm feeling right now. If that isn't Jesus, turn it off. <laughs> full, full, full transparency. Full, full transparency. There is a spirit that is looming in this place. Some of you know what I'm talking about. There is a spirit that is attacking families. There is a spirit that is attacking mental states. 
There is a spirit that is attacking this community. There is a spirit that is attacking this country. But guess what? There is a spirit that's also attacking this church. Unless we be blinded, let me just call it out for what it is. There is a spirit that is looming there that we need to pray out. So I'm calling on every single person to be in prayer that God drives the spirit of ungodliness. God drives out the spirit of wickedness. God drives out the spirit of indifference. Hear me and hear me well. We need to be prayerfully praying for each other and praying over our families and praying over our young men and praying over our young women. We need to be praying for our unborn, soon to be born, hopefully into this world. We need to be praying, saturating this place in prayer. Because we are in a fight. And while we're doing it, we need to be giving God all of the glory and never being crippled to fear. Yes. Would you say